Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free. So hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform. And the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. 
BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the anxiety chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the anxiety chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinara. And I'm Taylor. And we are back for another episode, and we're so excited. Um, So we're going to talk about something today that might be triggering for a lot of people. So we want to go ahead and first acknowledge that um, if you feel uncomfortable or you feel like you're getting triggered or any anxious thoughts or anything is coming up for you in your body when you're listening to this, please turn it off. Um, Try and do something that um, is healing for you. Um, Find a support and just, you know, come back to it if you feel like it. If not, it's okay too, um, because we're going to be talking about death today um, and anxiety related to death and um, anxiety related to what happens when we die. And we don't know. That's Oh, that's that's the only answer I have about that. Um, but just my experience, because I've worked in bereavement um, as a counselor for a long time, and um, just to kind of talk about anxieties related to this. And it's interesting, Taylor and I went back and forth before we started recording for, gosh, maybe like 15, 20 minutes trying to decide if we really should even do this topic, because it's hard to talk I about. I was triggered. <laughs> it's hard to talk because about. Because I and- was triggered. <laughs> And I really, you know, right before we started, I actually was telling Taylor, like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should not do this topic. You seem a little bit uncomfortable. I I seem, I was almost like I went into like mama bear role with you. She did. I was, she did. I was very, I was, I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable or feel really scared or triggered talking about it. And I thought to myself, maybe we shouldn't do it. And then as we went, Can as we I talked say a little bit. Go ahead. Okay. So triggered. I get, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a really big thing. Like it wasn't really something that people used to say, I feel like, or even talk about. Oh God. No, it's like buzzword. It was like last year's biggest buzzword or something. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What if triggered be like, if something is triggering you, isn't, shouldn't that be like the first thing you start discovering in your life, like working on? Wow. So insightful. I would think so. Right? Well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, as it, like, do y'all, I guess when you were in school, they didn't talk about being triggered, but I, like, for me, it's like, it, you're avoiding it by saying triggered. Oh, I'm not looking at it. It's not there. It doesn't exist. But mm-hmm. like, it's, if it's triggering you, it's truly something that bothers you and like that you need to work on. Oh, for sure. But I, I don't I, know. I, I think I think the the only um, struggle with that is that 
at any given time, if you have debilitating anxiety or depression, you don't even know what's triggering you sometimes. Right, you're just right. you're just on this constant fight or flight and you're hype you have this hypervigilance all the time. Sometimes you don't even know what it is. And if you've right. ever experienced like trauma, a lot of the physical things that happen to your body and what's coming right. on, up in your mind is related to some maybe past experience of trauma and you don't even know that it's there's a connection there in that moment. Right. So that takes some work with a counselor and stuff to help put those pieces together. To really yeah. figure out like what's triggering you because sometimes you just can't even tell. You just don't know. You just know these things are yeah. happening to your body. But you're you're right in a sense is like when when you do work that out either in a professional setting or you're able to recognize those triggers, then what do you do with that? Like you know right. it, right? And you know – anyway. So yeah. Yeah, it's true. But I'm very happy because Taylor finally – we were going through some topic ideas and she was like, let's just do it. Let's just do death anxiety. Let's. I'm like, are I'm you sweating. sure? <laughs> sweating, could pass that. So anyway, we're, we decided to do it, and we hope that um, you know this is more helpful because everything that you guys know us, everything we talk about on our social media and on this um, podcast is just real. I mean, we're real. We don't. We bring our expertise and our education into it, like as a therapist and a dietitian. But I mean, our own anxiety experiences is really what <laughs> I think we talk about a lot and yeah. how we get through our day-to-day -day life living with anxiety. So we're hoping that this kind of can help people relate to what we're going through because I, I'm going to have Taylor talk a little bit as much as she feels comfortable about her own experience with being afraid of death and um, kind of how that connects also with health anxiety a little bit, because I've noticed in my private practice that almost every single client I see that struggles with health anxiety has this underlying really, really deep fear of dying um, or other people that they know and love dying. So it's something that I work on with them. And, you know, a lot of these thoughts that we have are very intrusive and we talk about, you know, um, some of the connection in their mind about this fear, but also how can they kind of rationally think about their life and, um, what happens after life is done and what they can do to live their life to the fullest, even though they might have this fear and this, um, kind of unknown that's looming over them, you know? Um, but before we get into that, why don't we just start with something a little bit lighter and talk to you a little bit about how everything's been going. So we hope you guys also enjoyed the attachment anxiety episode. We loved doing that. Rebecca's amazing. I want to bring her back on. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, please go back. And if you haven't, um, subscribed or reviewed our podcast yet and you love it, can you please do that for us? Because that would be so awesome. We, The more that we, we get reviewed and subscribe, we can raise more mental health awareness and anxiety awareness for people. So that would be awesome. But um, Taylor, why don't you just update us a little bit on how you've been doing? Uh, honestly, not well. I've been posting it on my stories. I just, a lot of stress. Um, COVID, you know, is really bad and my wedding is in March and the venue will not let me reschedule. So unless there's a shutdown. So I have to have my wedding. And that is like, it's freaking me out more than anything because 
even my mom's scared. Like, and, and I'm scared. Like, I know I'm young, but I don't want it. And like, you hear about these weddings being super spreaders. And yeah. the good news is though, my, my friend who's a nurse, who's actually in the wedding, she texted me today and she can get the, uh, she works at the children's hospital downtown Dallas and she can get the vaccine on the 10th. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. First. Okay. So the vaccine is first wow. going to uh, frontline workers. Okay. Right. And then, and then 65 and above and comorbidities. And then it'll get hit with us. So I'm hoping that they like just pump these out, you know, like, I, I don't know. And I know a lot of people with health anxiety are really, really scared of this vaccine. And like, they have heard a lot of, you know, with the uh, social media, you get everyone's opinions, like all those people who are making TikToks about they're injecting uh, what, like poison into us or like, what did they say? Like weird stuff. And like this, so the measles vaccine is actually only 75% um, effective. And this COVID vaccine, I think is in like the nineties, which is like, it's unheard of for a vaccine to be that effective. And like, anyways, um, so yeah, I'm just, that's been really stressful. And I know these net and then holidays. So just throw in like these last three, I think these after March, I'll be fine. But I think just like, I think about it every day and I just stress myself out, self out. Like I text my best friend every day and I, (laughs) our texts are just like, weird because I'm so up and down. If you read them, you would be like, what the heck? Like sometimes I'll be like so positive. I'll be like, you know what? It'll be fine. Everything will be okay. And then I'm just like, I got to cancel. Oh my God. Like we can't get our money back. No, I know. That's the worst part. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, listen, I think everyone listening can probably relate to exactly those, those moods, especially right now, whether you're getting married or something and not, not, who knows, but seriously, what? Yes. Or, or, or even just one day feeling like, you know, we're going to get through this. It's going to end soon. It's a sunny day out to the next day being like, I hate my life. COVID sucks. Like it's raining out. I mean, like I haven't seen anyone in four days. I mean, I'm just thinking myself because I live alone. But like, you know, it's just having these days where your just emotions are so high sometimes and then low, but like a lot lower, I feel like, unfortunately, because of what's happening. And just being able to find a balance is really hard right now. It's really hard. All the So many of the things that we used to do to try and really help heal ourselves, um, have been sort of taken away from us, you know, like whether it's hanging out with people we love. I feel super like antisocial, like hard time socializing nowadays. It's like, you almost forget how to. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know it's stressful for you, especially you just, it's, and again, when we're talking about, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, get into our topic and about just uncertainties. It's like, you just it's hope the worst for the best. Can, yeah. You yeah. hope for the best, right? Like you have this date, you can't get your money back and you yeah. just have to hope for the best. And it's Literally. just, yeah, it's scary not knowing that. So, um, but girlfriend, I'm always here for you if you ever need to talk. Um, okay, well, so listen, I I think that right now, you know, Every, anyone that is going through kind of what Taylor was talking about deserves to pamper themselves a little bit little bit or do something for themselves at least. 
Like I hope you are because it's going to be more important than ever, especially this time of year, to right. try and and really at least do some things for yourself that make you feel good. And you might need to be creative because there's not – sometimes, <laughs> right. you know, you can't – some people will go out with their friends or like go to restaurants or maybe go bowling. I was even thinking about that the other day. Like I would love to just go bowling right now and I don't know where you're where you're listening from. And if you're living somewhere where bowling alleys are open, I'm jealous. But, you know, I would probably <laughs> be scared to go in there. But I would love to like go bowling. I don't even think that's an option at this point. Um, but, you know, just try and – you know, I was dead. I posted something on my Instagram the other night about, um, you know, some things that for self care, and a lot of people responded with taking baths. Do you ever take baths? Um, I used to. Like, I have a bath that's like an out of, uh, not an out, how would you explain it? Above ground one. And like, it's just, it's uncomfortable. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like, like, it's pretty looking. Uh-huh. But it's really uncomfortable. Like you're, it's really deep. Okay. So like when you're in it, you're like squished, but you're deep in it. I don't know. I don't like it. But like my parents' bath, I like their bath. Well, so that's like one of the biggest self care tools that all of my healers responded with, saying that taking a bath makes them feel so calm and they love it. So hey, yeah. if you have a bathtub, try that. Um. Anyway, okay. So why don't we get started? Talk yeah. About what we're going to talk about. So. Here's the thing, you guys, and I want to say again, if any part of this kind of triggers for you, we're going to be talking about anxiety. We're going to talk about death and how it's connected. And, you know, just remember, you can turn it off at any time and and choose not to listen. And if you feel like something comes up for you, please, um, you know, reach out to a counselor in your area. There's a lot of counselors that specialize in bereavement and grief and loss, and they're amazing. Um, And if you need help on where to start looking for one, you can always DM me at the Anxiety Healer and I can help you. Um, but I'm going to start with this because I'm not sure if many people realize that fear of death is actually a diagnosis clinically that is given to people, um, just like any other phobia, right? There's a lot of different phobias. The one phobia I always remember is arachnophobia because it's the fear of spiders and it was a movie. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. <laughs> my God, don't. If you're scared of spiders, arachnophobia, I was like, oh my God. Um, but that, so there, so it's like, it's, it's considered a, a phobia. Um, so it's called thananto, thanatophobia. It's a form of anxiety characterized by fear of one's own death or the process of dying. And it's commonly referred to as death anxiety. So, so there is, you know, so there is sort of a clinical piece to this. And a lot of times, um, you know, this type of phobia is connected to PTSD or panic disorders, panic attacks, and illness anxiety disorders, which we call health anxiety. Um, and so, you know, there can be a lot of, and, and again, considering this is an actual phobia, that means that there's treatment for it. So, there might be an underlying thought and fear of death that you have that wouldn't necessarily be a clinical diagnosis. Maybe it's something because, you know, I think since since death is so uncertain, it's almost like hard to feel not scared of it. You know what I right. mean? Because it's just yeah. such an uncertainty. Um, 
and I'm, I'm talking, and when we, when Taylor and I discuss this today too, we're going to talk from like a factual sense. We know there's a lot of different beliefs um, that people have, which we totally um, support whatever belief you have about what happens. Um, but um, with our experience and from what I've experienced also in my private practice, there's a lot of uncertainty still that goes along with with death and what happens to us. I think that I think that even with people who have health anxiety and are a part of a religion and are have grown up in this religion and are um, you know told what is going to happen, there's also shame with like why do I not feel as comfortable as all these other people of XYZ religion around me? Why do I not believe it? Like even if you are, even if you do believe in a specific religion and you're, you're a part of it. And like, you have a good heart. You know what I mean? I think there's also shame and like, why, why can't I feel comfortable with it? Like why here, like it says this in whatever, like Bible or like God you believe in, it says this, but why can't I still believe it? Like I'm such a factual person and a, uh, I like evidence. I'm very, I think that comes from just like our education. We're so evidence-based with our work. That yeah. like, yeah, that's how I'm wired. I'm wired for like evidence based. Like, if I'm gonna uh, do something, it's gonna be very evidence based. But yeah, it's just it's hard. It's really, really, really hard. Well, and it's it's interesting that you say that because in my expertise of cognitive behavioral therapy, the basis of CBT is to look for the evidence in front of you. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like look. I look don't for the, see the evidence. You're having right. You're having this anxious thought, right? What's the evidence that you have to prove that? Right? Do you have evidence for it? Because I don't know. And um, and so it's it's so hard to think. You know, you're having. There's so many thoughts that can go through anyone's mind at, at any time about dying or about death or losing someone or grief and loss and. You know, there's never, it's almost like you were talking about before we started recording about like finding an answer, right? Like with the evidence, like we just, when you struggle with anxiety, the worst part about it is, is not having answers for things like the future, right? The future is so uncertain. And, and majority of our anxious thoughts that we have have to do with the future, Right, like, what if this happens? What what's going to happen then? What is this going to be? Um, I, I mean, the past too. There's a lot of thoughts that we have that are intrusive that have to do with the past. Like, why did I do this like that? And oh my gosh, does this mean this about me? Like all this stuff. But in reality, so much of anxiety has to do with just our uncertainties and things we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And so, like I was saying to you before, what's the biggest uncertainty of our entire being? The, whatever it is you believe in, we're not discounting anything. But the biggest uncertainty in our, our lifetime is death. We're not yeah. really sure what happens. But people have different beliefs, which I think is 1,000% great. And 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 we're not here to tell you not to believe in what whatever you, it is you do. I think it's, you know, but the, the, the fact is people might have different beliefs. And I don't know if there's one answer to what it is and what happens to us when we die. And so that's a really, really scary thought for some people. Right. Can you explain a little bit about what you were saying before we started recording about- Which part? Just about how you were, 
how how you were just talking about the not knowing of like when you don't remember that no i said a few things something <laughs> i know it was so good because i could tell that's kind of when i started hearing like the fear in your voice and i was like i don't know if we should do this cuz you sounded like really like the symptoms of fear or just like Okay. Oh, the video game kind of like that analogy. I, yeah. Yeah. So like when I really start, this is my, like, just how I feel about death and anxiety. This is just, this is nothing factual or I don't even know if this has to do with that phobia, but this is just how I feel. So how I feel when I think about death is I get really deep into it to where my thoughts are like, it, it just cat, like, it just becomes a really big thing. I'll be like, when we die, I think about it in such a weird way that like when we die, we're, we're not here anymore. Like it doesn't go on. It's not like a video game that ends and you click start over. Like there's no more, like I don't wake up and have my morning coffee or I don't wake up and like see my friends. Like, you know what? It's just, it's just weird to me like that. It's, it's an end. There's no starting over. It's not like there's another day. I mean, like, I know that there's, other things after life or there can be even like whatever I believe in or have been told I still struggle with it like I still I don't know guys it's it's a really really hard thing and I get really really nauseous when I think about dying and I get really just it weirds me out it's like what happened like I don't know what were you just gonna say like what happens what happens? Like, what do I, what will yeah. I look like? Will I know my family? Like, I just care so much about my family. I care so much about, I don't want to just like, even if they're like, I just don't want to be alone. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to not know things. And like, I even get weird about like how, you know, you read some things. It's like, there'll be no sadness. There'll be no pain. And sometimes that kind of weirds me out. Like, will I have control of my emotions? Like, what if I want to feel sad? Like sometimes, like, cause I've been told feeling sad is sometimes good. And it's like, it's just weird to me. It's like, how can you be always happy? And like, I don't know. I just, I get so sick about it. And then like, I also get really sad about being wherever, you know, you think you go without my family or like, like, what if I go first? Like, I think that was my biggest thing is like being like, I always feared dying and then like watching my parents here and them being so sad. And I'd never, like, I could literally start crying when I think of that, because I don't ever want to like make people sad. And like, I don't want to make my parents be so sad that I'm not here. And like, I don't want to be here without them either. Like, I don't want to experience, I don't know if I'll, (laughs) I've said this before. I don't know if I can go on without my parents. It's just, it makes me really, 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 really sad. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. I mean, can I first just say how brave it was for you just to say that? Thank you for being so honest. Cause it's, it's not easy to talk about. And I think for someone, you know, that does struggle with health anxiety too, that, that is a very deep rooted fear for you that, yeah. that sounds like can, can really send you some t- like into a spiral if you let it. Absolutely. You don't want to let it do that. And it's hard yeah. sometimes not to, um, but like, if you like, if you just rewound the last twenty seconds of this audio, I just rambled. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. No, what I was going to say was, you did not ramble. You spoke so much of your truth of all of the thoughts that are creating yeah. your fear. You yeah. literally just said out loud every single thought that that 
is connected to that fear, which brings you so much anxiety. Like, what if they're not around? What if I go for right? Like all of the thoughts that are the unknown. Yeah. There's I just so think much. About, like how, how, like just life without your parents, like parents, my parents to me are just so important and like they matter more to me. And I've never put, I've never put importance into my friends as much as I have into my parents that like, it makes me scared that like, cause I don't, I don't connect with friends as much as my parents. Hmm. Like I just have yeah. a relationship with them that is so different that I don't feel like I could ever feel that comfortable with friends. It's weird. I mean, it's that's such a so, weird thing. I just so love my parents. That, I mean, it's so wonderful yeah. that you have that. And I hope that anyone listening can find that type of support in their life at some point. Yeah. Sometimes it's not people's parents. Sometimes it's caregivers of other yeah. types of caregivers, or sometimes it is friends. Like that's family to people, you know, or siblings or cousins. Um, if you can find that type of support, it's amazing. But, you know, one thing you said about finding that unconditional type of love, when you find, you know, when you have someone that you either have unconditional love for or someone loves you unconditionally, that's what makes it scary too, right? Having to right. either think about Absolutely. ever being without that person or not being able to be there for that person. And I think that's also a deep rooted um, fear for a lot of people when it comes to, you know, the afterlife yeah. or if there is one or whatever happens when we're not here anymore. Um, I think I also like obsess or like think about it more than the average person. Like my fiance, like I even asked him before, I was like, do you ever think about death? He doesn't, it like doesn't, he's never even like sat with it. And like, I will look at my dog and start crying and being like, I never want you to die. And he's like, I, I did this when he was like one years old. Like, you know, like I just, it's weird. Did I say one years old? One year old. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's also interesting. And I, I would love for anyone who is um, not uh, from the United States to DM me or maybe just give us some insight on this. But I've heard that. In the U.S., death is so taboo to talk about, more, really? so much more than other countries. Like there's, what do you mean? so like even when you when you if you think about uh, the way when you okay so and this was also one of the class bereavement classes I took. They talked about this. Think about in our country and how when we talk about we have conversations about death and you're talking to someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for your loss or how did he pass? Never using the word died or dead or death. There's something about that word that is really scary for people. It's always like, oh, how did he pass or when did that you know loss happen? The word dying and death is very scary. I'm, it's right. I, I, but, but from what I, what I was taught in the class I took was that it is not like that all around the world. There's a lot of other places around the world that actually, you know, they have, I mean, they might have different beliefs about things, but they, they will celebrate death or they'll very talk candidly about death. They have something, um, I just read, I just read on, uh, I'm well, just I do know at, that other countries, like some people have a funeral is like a celebration. Uh-huh. Yes. And it's it's not like a sad thing. No. Like it's like exactly. a celebration of life. Um, okay, so this was actually I'm just reading this on healthline.com. Um, and this is actually it was in San Diego in 2013. So I've not heard of this, but this might be 
something that's starting, but it's something called Death Cafes. So I know oh. it sounds, <laughs> I know it might sound, <laughs> let me just read it to you. Uh, death Cafes serve as friendly, welcoming, and comfortable surroundings for those who want to talk openly about death. Many are in actual cafes or restaurants where people eat and drink together. The death, death Cafe purpose is to lighten the load of mystery of what your experience may or may not be. And then someone who went to one said, I definitely do life differently now, more in the moment, and I'm much more specific about where I want to put my energy. And that's a direct correlation about being able to talk about death with freedom. Bam, you just hit a point. You just hit a point on something. I fear that I do not live in the moment and that that I will be on my deathbed saying I never lived. Because living in the moment is so freaking hard for me. Yep. I feel like I'm always waiting to live. That is deep. Literally always waiting to live. Deep. And then when I had instrug- when I had anxiety, I was living dead already. Mm-hmm. When I had severe panic disorder, I remember that those words hit me so hard. I feared death so much that I wasted the whole day living, waiting to die. Basically already dead. There was no living. When I was so caught up in my panic attacks and panic disorder, my whole day was spent Googling, obsessing over illness. And basically you could have put me in a hospital room and said like, like I was already there. I was already Mm -hmm. with like the elderly people in assisted living because that's how I was living. I was living dead. And I, I've, those words, I forgot who said it to me. Someone said it to me. They said, you're not living right now. So why do you fear death so much when you're already not living? Oh my gosh. And that hit me. Oh my gosh. I'm not living. And then I, and then that panicked me. I was like, I wasted so many years having panic attacks, never enjoying a day. Days just went by like this. Just one, two, three, four, five. There was never a day that I was like, you know what? Today I'm going to look outside and just really enjoy my day. It was like such a obsession with trying to live. For what? For when? Mm -hmm. That was the question too. For when? What are you waiting for? Right. Well, if you think about anxiety disorders and a lot of anxiety, like I said, if, if we peel back the layers of our brain and look at all of the 70,000 thoughts we have a day and how many of those thoughts are irrational, right, or intrusive, they're going to be the ones that focus only on future, making up stories about the future. Mm-hmm. So living in the moment is 1000% exactly what, yeah, what you just said and what I just read. That is going to, it's going to teach you something more about how you want to be in the moment more because so much of our anxiety, whether it's about death or health or um, social situations or, um, you know, spiders or airplanes, they suck up so much of our energy and so much of our thoughts every day, how are we supposed to live in the moment if like we can't just get away from them? They're just constantly there. I think that's like another thing too. Like my fiance, like he truly lives in the moment. So like when death comes, like when it's his time, like I feel like he'll be like, I lived. Like I did, I lived my life. 
So, and I think I'll be on my deathbed like I need one more day. So, do you still feel like today your thoughts and or like you're still not able to live in the moment? I think I have the so same many amount. Worries. Yeah, as I think like, I have so okay. the way he lives life versus how I live. It's just like everything has a what if. Everything like I don't have the debilitating panic attacks. I can go to events. However, events are always like you know the anxiety before an event. Like he just goes. Um, but I think that like, I, I think like a huge fear of my death is that like, I never, I never had time to do the things. That's like, that's the thought that you think like that goes over and over in your head about it. Yeah. Cause like sometimes like, even when like, I have this thought a lot, like I'll be like looking at my family, like I'll be in a room with everyone. No one knows this is going on in my head. Like with my family, my fiance, like all of us right there. And I'll look and I'll kind of get a tear in my eye and be like, I wish I could just pause this. Like, I just want, I want, I want this. Like, I want to hold this, but you can't like, it's like it. And that freaks me out. I'm like, I just want to keep this right here. And then like, if I, if like, I look at my mom and dad and they get older, like they start to look a little older. Like I get so sad. I don't tell them this stuff, Yeah, but it makes me so sad. So, so I'm going to give you some helpful tools on what might be able to, you know, get you out of that type of mindset and in those moments. And essentially what I'm going to say is something you could use for any type of fear and anxiety. And again, this isn't going to be like a magic wand. I'm not going to tell you this and then you're going to be cured. Sorry, guys. Not how it works. (laughs) I know. But it's it's literally some of the things that I've been saying throughout this entire podcast and what I tell people in my private practice. And it's not just one thing, but it's it's essentially learning how to rewire the way that you think mm-hmm. and like make that a practice that you do all the time. And and recognizing that those thoughts that are in your brain, they're in there. I mean, you just rambled them off so easily. Right, right. They, like you they, rambled yeah. them off. They, you were, you're like this. The, this is what I know in my brain, and they are there. Those thoughts they are live there. Right free. They, exactly, right. Rip They're there. free right here. So, so they're in there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have power, right? Right. Those thoughts are thoughts. Yeah, it doesn't make them true. Right? right. Now, the only the only problem with with anxiety related to death that can feel more intrusive is that some of those thoughts are eventually going to be true, right? Like what's the most certain thing in our life? We're all going to die. Right. That's the most certain thing anyone can ever say. Like that is a fact. Right. Every single person in this world is going to die at some point. And so, so being in that moment, like where if you're at like a holiday party and you're looking around and you're seeing your relatives and that just, those thoughts are there, right? And maybe they were quieter about an hour ago, but now they're so loud in your mind because there's something about that moment that is putting, that is making you so scared of not having them. Right. But what if you were able to be in that moment and recognize all of the amazing things that are happening? Right. Like 100%. why are- Right? Like why isn't why isn't it those thoughts that are overpowering the scary ones? 
Because the negative emotions are always the easiest. Yeah. The automatic thoughts that happen are going to be so loud, right? They're just so loud all the time, but we have to try and retrain our brain to quiet them down and, and somehow make room for all of those amazing, rational, grateful. Also, if you think about gratitude, that's why gratitude is so important because it's impossible for you to feel gratitude and fear at the same time. I literally posted that on Thanksgiving. I was like, it's okay if you struggle with feeling grateful today. Like I struggle. I have to dig. I got to sit with myself. I can't just sit here and I could say things. I could say like, I'm thankful to have a place to live, but am I truly grateful? Do you know what I mean? Well, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's more about getting into the practice of, of, of a gratitude, a a grateful way of living kind of thing, right? It's like kind of a way of living. It's not sort of like- Get up and write five things you're grateful for, and then it'll be with you all day. You know. Well, some people say that though. Like you see all it's that. It's a good like, thing to do. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not a bad. That's an amazing, you know, technique to do, tool. But how can you find gratitude, you know, throughout the days, right? Right. And this sense of feeling like great, light, like life is something to be, like you said, like like you're living, but like you're living with gratitude and you're living in this moment. And, and I think that being able to find gratitude in every moment is really important. So like, for example, it might be so simple, right? It might feel so simple, but maybe you, maybe you're not looking for something, but you go outside and someone smiles at you and says, hi. Right. Right. I don't know what that meant. I don't know. I think there's meaning in a lot of different interactions, but wow. I'm grateful that, you know, that person just chose kindness to chose to smile or yeah. Right. So, and that's also something that's bringing you back to that moment, right? So you're looking at someone and you're smiling. That is being very present with your surroundings. Yeah. And so Sometimes when our thoughts are so loud that are intrusive, something that I think I mentioned before, another tool that's one of my favorites is the five senses grounding tool. Yeah. So I don't know how often you use that. I use it almost all the time, all the time. where I, yes. I look around me and I look, I find, try and find five things that I can see, um, four things that I can hear, three things that I can smell, two things that I can taste, and one thing that I can touch. And I describe all of them with their colors, their shapes, you know, the taste, like what do I taste? I mean, I try and do my best to find at least a couple things, but using your senses to look around you and see what's around you. And right. and it brings you back to that moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that is probably one of the most effective ways to really come back into the moment. But then also the hard work of retraining your brain and rewiring your brain, it's definitely hard to do without the help of a counselor. I mean, like a counselor who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy is so you also have to be You also have to be open to the help and allowing of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. I think there's been many times where I've like, I fought it with death. Like I fought the help. Just let me feel, you know, not allowing someone to help me. What, what, can you identify what that resistance was about? That, what do they know? About? What makes them know more about death than me and how I feel? Uh, I'm a challenger. 
No, I think those are all great questions. Yeah. And I think that like, it's really hard for like, uh, like working. I think the first step with me is working on allowing people to help me. I don't allow help easy. So like, that's a huge thing. So like going in with like, I like this person is here to help you. Like you don't need to help people right now. This isn't about you helping someone right now. This is about you. I don't like things being about me. Mm-hmm. And so like that, like allowing myself to like be like, this appointment is about me. Yeah. I could probably go into a therapy appointment and like start like talking to the therapist about their life. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like allowing myself to like realize that like help is okay. And like, um, you don't need to challenge everyone's like help and I don't know. It's, it's, it can be a hard thing. Death has been definitely the one, like I've gotten help with like the fears of like the illnesses I've had, which like you said, health anxiety all relates to, um, the fear of death dying. Um, so I've definitely gotten like the help with that and recognizing and knowing I need help with that. But I think with death, I just avoid it. Like if, if I don't talk about it and I don't think about it, I don't worry about it. But it's like, when I start talking to someone about it, I'm, it's like we said the, in the beginning, the trigger thing. Triggering, bye, I'm leaving. Like, I'm avoiding it. Um, so I recognize like that it's definitely not normal the way I feel about death. Um, not, not that it's not normal, but it's, it's something that I need help with. Well, I recognize that. Yeah, and I, I don't think, you know, you might say, if I don't think about it, I don't worry about it, but I will challenge that a little bit because you're right um, you're right right. I think yeah I think um, I don't get I don't get like worked up about it yeah you probably have created a pretty little box in your mind yeah that that has you know like a lock on it and you just put all of those thoughts in there some sometimes and you try and try and lock it but then what happens is you know it gets bigger and bigger and it can't close and right the lock erodes sometimes and eventually they come out and you can't put them in a little box anymore and it manifests somehow. When I lose my parents is when I will, my eyes will open. I think I have to go through, I'm, I'm very much so like I have to go through something to like recognize I need help. Like my whole life I struggled with things that people would diagnose as anxiety, but I never recognized as anxiety and I never let it be an issue until I had the panic disorder until, like you said, it, the box kept piling up and then the box got too heavy. And then my, my body was just like panic disorder extreme. And that's when I was like, okay, I need help. So it's like, sometimes with me, it takes going through those really freaking hard times to be like, you need help. And like, that's hard. Like, that's sad that I have to go through that, but it, but it's more effective for me. And like, uh, sometimes I have, like, sometimes we have to go through those life-changing events to get help. Yeah. And I mean, and you're definitely right as far as, you know, if someone comes in to see me and there's a 0% of them that wants to work on themselves <laughs> or wants to change and they're like, right. are you going to help me? You know, I mean, I actually right. have have had a couple people. Okay. I'm not, I'm not that, mean. I'm not mean. But, no, I'm, I know. But what I'm saying is definitely there's, if there, there needs to be at least like a 1% of you that wants to at least be there for therapy to right. be effective, believe me. Right. But um, if there is only 1% of, of the person that comes in because I've had them, then a lot of times I will approach it in the way of, um, 
you know, allowing them to really feel like they have a safe space to feel in control and that it's okay if they want to tell me things that they want to tell me and other things they don't. It's okay if they, you know, I'll even say, okay, well, you're here and there's maybe some things that haven't worked for you so far and you just, you know, I'm I'm assuming that you probably just want to feel joy or you just want to feel some type of like relief in your life. So let's just start there and see right. if I can try and guide you through that and and help you through it. And if not, then we'll I'll try and see if I can find someone else that works for you. So right. Oh so yeah, the, in the deepest of my health anxiety and panic disorder, I was like, anyone help, please right. help. You know, like I'm like I'm like give me all the help. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like when you're like when you're like I guess things have to be really really hard for me to like allow myself the help. Which like maybe yeah. a lot of people feel that way. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Leave us a review. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Let us know and and you know, we hope that we hope that at least you're you're feeling like less alone in your thoughts about death and anxiety right now because we all really struggle and I know Taylor talked a lot about kind of her experience. I I've experienced a lot of my own anxiety related to death as well. Um, you know, I have a certain belief of what happens after we pass and see, I said pass. After we pass, after we die, I've been learning to use the word die and dead more because again, it takes away the power of the word kind of. Right. It desensitizes me to like the fear of it. So I try and use dying and dead more. But um, again, I talk to my therapist about this too. So suggest that and don't just start doing it without getting some type of help. But um, yeah, so... So it can look different for everybody, you know, what happens um, after we're not around anymore. And I just think that being able to, you know, have, I guess, like I loved the way that person put it about the death cafe is the freedom to talk about it, right? And I don't feel like there's a lot of freedom to talk about it in our country because that's the only thing I know to compare it to. But um, I don't know what it would look like to feel like we have the freedom to talk about death. And I wonder if that would help people understand, even uh, even help people understand other people's beliefs about it. You know, like I'd love to right. know uh, right. what other people believe about what happens stigma. when we're no longer here. There's a huge stigma around There that, is. I, like. I believe yeah. there is a huge stigma. I mean, with all my clients, I will always say, well, what do you believe happens when we're not long, we're no longer here? And I respect every Can single person's beliefs. Is there like a most common answer? No. 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 Okay. No, there's no most common anything. Honestly, I would say it if I did, what, but I what, get what I you work, have you heard? I listen, I work with all types of religious beliefs, nationalities, cultures, so I've heard I've heard all different ones. I mean, well, cuz like I don't even know them all. So I, like what all just I, I mean, I've heard um people believe in heaven. I've heard little kids say that they believe it's like a playground with um, their favorite food. I mean, I've heard um, someone say that we, uh, um, someone I work with say that we literally just go into the, go into the ground. We're just part of the earth. We're part of the, um, no, no, we're dead, but um, we're just part of the ecosystem, basically. Like, like the animals that die, like we're just people, you know, that's very scientific factual, right? They're just part of the ecosystem and there's nothing really left for us. We don't have a soul or anything. We're just kind of like there that someone said that, um, someone uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I'll tell you what I, what I think, because to be honest, I created my entire own belief of uh, belief system, not based on, 
I mean, it's a little bit based on, I guess I was brought up Catholic, but um, I am sort of non-denominational now. Um, yeah. So I don't really identify with one, but I will say that I do believe there is somewhere that we go, whether it's called heaven, quote unquote, or not, I don't know. But I have this belief in my brain that I will see the people that I love that are not around anymore and and we will all be together and wherever whatever is the happiest time we've ever been in our life when we were living is where time will stop and that's how I'm going to feel and that's what I'm going to be doing when I die. Whatever the happiest moment that I can remember when I die, I mean, it might not even have happened yet, who knows, but... I, I believe that wherever I go, it's going to be that happy moment. And that's what I'm going to be doing with the people I love. I just choose to believe that. <laughs> I just no, choose to I, believe it. In my rational I, I, mind, I don't care if it's true or not, but I choose to believe that. That That's what I like in my mind believe in, but I fight it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like I, I was raised non-denominational, like in church, and I felt like a bad person for not understanding what everyone else around me was feeling. And like that, if we trust in God, that we shouldn't fear anything. And I think that if you're, if you struggle with anxiety and you cause shame for yourself for that, like, I think that's horrible. I think it's sad that we feel that way. And I, I do feel like sometimes the church can be a little judgmental of that too. Some people there, like you got, just know you're not alone if you feel any any type of way that way because I know I've I've even I, I remember in youth group like I think I talked to someone about this like I went to youth I was in youth group when I was growing up and I like talked to someone about this and they were like well like if you believe there is no fear and so like when I had fear I felt shame and I didn't talk about it yeah well but it's, it's valid it's it, yeah. It's also very hard if you're brought up in a certain type of family that believes something. I mean, how are you supposed yeah. to? You know, it's going to take. It's going to be a little lot harder for you later in life when you grow up to try and do your own research on other different types of cultures and religions, right? And yeah. to try to find out what you really believe in because you've had this message for so long in your life from your parents. So yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's still not impossible. Like if you're listening right now and you're. And you, uh, the best thing you can do is to question things. Yeah. The best thing you can do is to question things. If you question things and you find out that everything that you've questioned, you believe in, you still believe in what you believe in, then awesome. If you question things and then you feel like, oh, maybe I believe this is, you know, I learned that this and this, then that's great too. But always keep educating yourself and asking other people uh, to educate you on what, on what their beliefs are and different um, you know, anything just to, just to educate you on themselves. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think for me is like, whenever I meet someone that's either a different culture, a different race, a different ethnicity, um, something that I know I have never experienced. I always am like, tell me about you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. I really, yeah. I want to know about your experience. I want to know how I can learn to be compassionate to your experience. Right. 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 And, and And that's why I I asked you. Like what yeah. you've heard. Cause I just, I just want to know, like, I'm interested in, and in like why people feel that way. Like what, what makes them believe that, you know, like I just, I truly just like to hear things. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing you can do, but, um, you know, I, I, I want to just say, I, I really think that this is something that we could probably dive into even deeper, but I really didn't want to make this 
more tr- triggering for anyone that maybe it would have been. Um, but again, like if you feel like you just want some extra support with um, either feeling like you are f- really, really afraid of death and you might have have some problems living your daily life um, because these kinds of thoughts are so intrusive and they're on your mind, please contact me and I'll, I'll get you some help and get you some resources at The Anxiety Healer. Um, you can DM me. I do get a lot of DMs, but um, you can also feel free to email the theanxietychicks at gmail.com um, because I think this topic is really important to make sure that you guys get the support you need if you do need it um, and you need resources. So I want to give you our email for that too. Um but I really appreciate you guys listening to us. Taylor, you've been so open, and I really appreciate Yeah, if you, you just need a friend who understands, you can DM me. <laughs> like, You're not crazy. Being, <laughs> being so vulnerable, it just takes so much bravery, yeah. and I just am really impressed. You're not crazy. No, no one is crazy, and I hate that word. I will never use the word crazy. I hate crazy. that word. I know. I think I it's know. so wrong to say. but I think so um, many people submit on my thing, like, I fear – that anxiety will make me like I will go crazy, and I'm like, you can't go crazy. I oh, promise. Like, you, what does that even but, mean? It just I know, no, like losing your mind. Too I negative. Guess. I know, yeah. but who doesn't lose their mind every now? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I I do want to say just after you're done listening to this, please do something to care for yourself or spend time with someone you love or, you know, just be around people that make you happy or something that makes you feel good because this is heavy and um, you deserve to be loved and everybody does and you deserve to enjoy the life that you have right now to the fullest. Well, I'm going to the dentist, so. Well, that (laughs) sounds awesome and not triggering at all. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The dentist is like, what did you do today? I talked about death. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I talk about procrastination. I've been needing to make a dentist appointment for like six months and have not. So thank you. I have tooth pain, so I might be losing. <laughs> oh, girlfriend. Okay. All right, you guys. Well, have a good week and um, remember to stay safe and have a good evening and happy healing. Yep. Bye, friends. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.